Hello, this is Revel, and you are listening to Rockin' Radio. For timeline clarity, this is December 2008, so do not be confused by events mentioned on this program. My guest today is spiritual player and raw food Sherpa, Drumel Perowit. Hey, Revel. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. Hey, well, it's my pleasure. Uh, you were recommended by, uh, I've seen you online, and I'm also part of your Give It To Me Raw community. Yes. And uh, someone said, oh, what was it? Philip, Philip McCluskey told me, he says, you've got to have, you got to have uh, Dramil on. And I said, okay, why? <laughs> I don't know the guy. You know, I see you on there. You seem like a nice guy. But so let's find out why. T- tell me about you. Now, you are a raw food advocate. Yes. Um, I've been eating raw food now since uh, 2001, so almost about eight years now. And I run an online uh, community um, under the name We Like It Raw. And then we have a social community site, kind of like a MySpace, MySpace slash Facebook for raw foodies or people that are looking to get uh, started with raw food. And that's called Give It To Me Raw. So um, on the web, I'm just kind of known as somebody who uh, is a cheerleader for raw food, always encouraging people to investigate and, and learn about it, but also somebody who tries to keep it very balanced. You know, the title of the site is We Like It Raw, not We Love It Raw. And the reason why it's We Like It Raw is that raw food is a big, important part of my life, but it's not the only part. It's not the only Thing. And when people first get started with raw foods, there's so much information that's out there, and it's so new that they think that, oh, if I could only do this, if I could only make this work in my life, then everything else <laughs> would be okay. And soon, you know, with experience, we all learn that there's actually a little bit more to this as well, too. Absolutely. That, that brought up a, a thought because I'm on a, another uh, forum, and a raw food uh, advocate, I mean, she's been raw for quite some time. She's written books or she does calendars and stuff. Beautiful woman. And she uh, has breast cancer. And people are like appalled. They're like, oh, my God, how can somebody who eats raw food get cancer? I thought raw food cured cancer. And she came on and she said no. She said, you know, and I had said the same thing, but she, she had backed me and said no. It's a whole lifestyle of other things, movement. Um, breath, clean water, um, taking care of the stress in your life, and having good relationships. Well, how do you feel about that? Oh, I couldn't agree more. And one of the, the deepest things that I've seen is that uh, while raw food will remove a lot of the clutter that gets in your body's way to naturally do, do what it does best, and it will remove the clutter that often sort of excites different uh, emotions and thoughts, it won't spark that sense of awareness that we all have to investigate on our own. And I've known a lot of people that eat raw food and are pretty healthy individuals, but after the honeymoon phase wears off within the first maybe year or two, the old emotions and conditionings that they haven't dealt with, you know, the underlying root sort of uh, their spiritual essence, you could say, it starts to show up. And then they think that, wow, you know, I'm such a healthy individual, but still life doesn't seem so happy. Or 
they start to notice that even though they enjoy and they're thriving on raw foods and their skin looks great and they have more energy than they did, they might have reversed some sort of illness or ailment that they've gone through, they might start noticing that they're, that they're getting bored, that all these feelings of boredom or they feel like they're missing out, all these sort of conflicts start to show up and emerge within themselves. And so they start to enter this yo-yo phase where they're going back and forth between different things, never really at a balanced standpoint. So um, I absolutely agree with you. All those things are very important. So just on a, this kind of a superficial way, because you've just brought up a whole bunch of topics that we can't, don't have time to get into, what would you suggest people do just from a... Uh, I hate to say superficial, but just just as a basic, let's say a basic level, to be able to deal with all that. I would say that the that the first thing is that if you if you're starting to you know you had Philip on your show, and one of the things that Philip always talks about is that once you start eating raw food, you actually start allowing you stop allowing food processed food to suppress these emotions that you have uh, that naturally show up these unresolved feelings this unresolved conditioning it starts to show up and because you have food that's no longer heavy uh, you can't suppress it in that same way so you have to deal with it once and for all and if you're prepared you can deal with it and let it go for good and you can rise above it and one of the one of the best ways that i know how to do that is through a simple breath awareness exercise called falling still and i'll just explain it very briefly here is that falling still is a practice where it's simply a, a, a basic meditation to bring you back into the present moment. Because if you really think about it, the challenges that we face in life, the real struggles that we go through, they're always thoughts that are based either in the past or they're thoughts that are being projected into the future. It's rarely ever a situation that we're going and dealing with right now, like right now in this moment exactly. And often what I find is that most individuals, when they say, I don't know what to do during a situation, I don't know how to get over this, I don't know how to overcome this struggle, they actually know they're just afraid of the consequences or they're afraid of what would happen if they actually take action. So the best way to get over all that is to actually bring yourself into the present moment. And this practice of falling still is a vehicle to do so. So all you simply have to do, and you can do it with me right here, it'll take you know, 30 seconds or so, you can put your feet flat on the floor, your hands on your knees, sit up in your chair if you can, and then just gently rest your eyes. Close your eyes. And now all you're doing is bringing your attention and awareness to your breath. You're noticing your breath coming in, your breath exhaling out. Thoughts will come and thoughts will go. Just let them pass you by. Don't attach yourself to them. Just keep coming back to your breath. And together, we'll take a deep, big breath in. Exhale out and let it all go. And 
return. So you could see Revel in just, what was that, maybe 30 seconds, 45 seconds, I don't know, in just a few seconds of noticing and going within and actually bringing yourself back into the present moment, all of a sudden we can realize, like, wow, you know what? Life is right here, right now. And anything that will impact my future will take place in the power of the now, as uh, somebody like Eckhart Tolle would say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That seems like a, a Vipassana meditation. Yes, very similar. All, all deep, uh, all, all of the deep meditation vehicles, the deepest ones that we find, are really breath awareness. And the reason why, whether it's vipassana, whether it's uh, teachings from the art of living, whether it's this practice that I learned from my mentor called falling still, the reason that we focus on the breath is that when our attention and awareness is on the breath, it can't be on the thoughts at the same time as well, too. And it's funny how often when you just simply return to the present moment, then you can actually, I'm not somebody who's, you know, you know, a spiritual hippie or something like that who just thinks that, oh, you know, if you just believe, then everything else will be okay. No, I believe in action. But the challenge is is that most people don't take action because they get in, in the way. They think about all the past things that have happened and why they can't take action and doing this and doing that. So I'm all for taking action, but I'm all for being grounded when you take action by bringing yourself in the present moment. So when your attention is on the breath, you can't be thinking about your thoughts at the same time as well, too. And that alone often rids us of most of the suffering that we experience in any journey, in our health journey, in our uh, relationship journeys, in any journey that you would encounter in life. Absolutely, because one of the things you said is people are afraid of what will happen if they take action, and they're even afraid to see what they're afraid of. Yeah, it's this uh, boogie monster feeling. You know, the scariest movies that you saw when you were a kid or even now um, is when you don't see the monster's face. Because as soon as you see the monster's face, all of a sudden it's like, well, that's not that scary. But when, you're, when you see this dark, shadowy figure, which is kind of how the ego operates, you know, the ego is this energy. It's this pile of energy that's constantly being, you know, reconditioned inside of you. And we keep it alive through the drama. The ego lives off of drama. And so in essence, it's constantly using these fear tactics to push you in all sorts of different directions because it knows that once the drama starts and the peace enters, it no longer has a purpose to exist. And the way that I'm defining ego is attachment to form, right? Attachment to form. So that attachment that we have and that worry that comes from, oh, my God, what will happen if I don't get this exactly right? Or, or <laughs> oh, my God, this is what happened in the past. That ego and that energy, it feeds off of trying to scare us. And the only way to go beyond it is to use awareness. So that's really uh, why I use this practice of falling still, and there's a lot of other great vehicles out there. The, the one thing that matters is just taking that time for yourself to go within. And uh, that's been the, the most beautiful thing that I'm thankful of that I've been able to discover at such a young age. And as Jamel says, it only, I mean, he just showed you it took, what, 30 to 45 seconds, give or take. Even if it took a whole minute, it's a whole minute that will can change your life if you do it throughout the day. Uh, we'll be back with Jamel in a moment. Give it to me raw.com and we like it raw.com. Hold on. 
Hi, welcome back to Rockin' Radio. Please take the time to check out my websites, revelations.com, two V's and two L's, where you can sign up for my weekly revelations. When you do, you'll receive my latest ebook, find out about my teleclasses or my books, Revolutionize Your Life in 30 Days, a self-empowering playbook, and Smoothies and Smoothies for Life. Great holiday gifts. Also, books I recommend from Amazon and more. Please go through my site to help uh, support this particular show. Uh, remember to surrender to the blender for optimal health. To find my podcast, including this one, you can go to revel.com. Again, it's two V's as in victory and two L's. We're working on another site. We'll be listing a lot of things. Never mind. I'm not talking about that anymore because we're not working on that anymore. But we got some new stuff coming up. Look for me at the Festival of the Wise in Scottsdale, Arizona on the weekend of December 6th and 7th, 2008, where I will be speaking about raw food and the environment. We're here with Drumel Perowit. And he's got a couple of sites, giveittomeraw.com, which is a community site, and we like it raw, which is what? It's your blog, right? Yeah, we like it raw as a blog. It has, uh, it's, it's hosted primarily by me, but we have a collection of different authors. Um, Sarma Melangalis, she's the uh, owner and executive chef at uh, Pure Food and Wine in New York City. Then we have uh, Philip McCluskey, who you've had on, a sh- on your show. Mm-hmm. Went from 400 pounds to 200 pounds in about two years. Then we have Anthony Anderson. He's a raw model uh, based in New York City but travels quite frequently. Talks a lot about fitness and, uh, and different recipes. And then lastly, we have uh, Shannon uh, Marie from Maryland who uh, makes the craziest sort of concoctions and cupcakes and little <laughs> decorative raw food gingerbread houses. So it's a nice team that we have. We try to update regularly, and uh, we've been really pleased with the community that We Like It Raw has turned into. Well, how important is community in raw? You've, you've created an online one called GiveItToMeRaw.com. Uh, I am a member of that one, and I, I know a lot of raw people don't have a lot of people to talk to around them in real life. Yeah, I would say that community is extremely important. Um, and here's where my community story came from, just to give you a little background, is that um, when I was young, my, I come from an Indian family, and my dad's side of the family is really big. I have about 18 or 20 first cousins. I don't even know the exact number, right? Mm-hmm. So I have 18 or 20 first cousins. And whenever we would get together, um, because they're also here in the States as well, too, whatever we were doing, whether we were doing homework, whether we were washing dishes, whether we were cleaning, wherever we were, because we were doing it together, it was always fun. It was that sense of no matter what was happening, we were all involved in it together. And from a young age, I, I always knew, I used to say, okay, what's the difference between doing something on your own versus doing something with a group of like-spirited people? And my dad really especially worked very hard to keep the family unit tight because that support paid dividends beyond measure. So once I started to get an interest in raw food, I quickly realized that a lot of individuals, their biggest challenge was not what to eat. Their biggest challenge was not 
you know, what's the most nutritious way to go about raw food. The biggest challenge wasn't even that, you know, maybe the food was, organic food was a little bit expensive. All those things were pretty trivial. Where I saw the biggest breakdowns happen was when people, when I would check in with people, I'd be like, oh, hey, how has things been? You know, you've been eating this way now for about six months. Yeah, well, about three months into it, I got really, you know, I was kind of doing it on my own, and I would always be with my family, and I didn't have anybody else. Community was always the thing that they returned to. They wouldn't say it exactly that way. They would say that maybe it got boring. They would say that maybe they didn't uh, learn from anybody else. They would use all different excuses, but when you really boiled down to it, it was that they didn't feel part of a group or a collective of individuals that they could rise together with in this journey. So that's when I first realized how important community was. And what got you started creating yours? You've got, what, over 4,600 people on uh, Give It To Me Raw. Yeah, Give It To Me Raw is about 4,600 people. Total, you know, We Like It Raw and Give It To Me Raw in a month are doing about a million impressions a month. So, so I consider them both parts of communities. But how I created that was that you know, I'm from a small town in Delaware, and, you know, this isn't exactly New York City where there's tons of raw food meetups or restaurants. It's not even a warm state where it makes it easy to do raw food. So when I would uh, see that we had all these gatherings and the amount of time and attention that it took to put an event together, I said, you know what? Putting events together are great, but I need to build something and I need to create something online that makes it easier for other individuals to put events together. I need to put something online that makes it easier for other people to have discussions and communications in a decentralized method. You know, because the blog is great and I host the topics on the blog and I'm posting new things, but what about things that other people want to talk about? What about support questions that I would never even think of? So that's what ended up creating Give It To Be Raw. I really wanted it to be a community space. And this was right around the time that, you know, Facebook and MySpace were getting really popular. So I thought that, you know what, having a community just for the raw food, having an online social network just for the raw food community would be a service that I think a lot of people would enjoy. Well, they certainly are. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned Indian. Let's get some clarity here. You are not Native American. Yeah, not Native American. Uh, my ancestry is uh, Indian from actually India. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how does that work with your culture? How does raw work with your culture, or does it? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing because um, some, of the, um, s- some of the teachings that I later discovered on, on raw food are, are pretty ingrained into the different um, especially the religious and cultural traditions that I come from. My dad comes from a Hindu background, and my mom comes from a Jain background. And both of those two uh, backgrounds and religions have many instances and regularly use raw foods as a way to heal. Now, there were it wasn't a method of way that people would live on a regular basis. It would be only something that people would do when they needed to heal themselves. Uh, but now, what, what I first found when I went, when I started my raw food journey is that every other person in my family is a doctor. So even though they're vegetarians and that they were doctors, I would get the craziest sort of 
things people would say to me like, you should watch out, you could die eating this way, you shouldn't do that. And I'd be like, look, in our culture, there was monks that ate raw food in India. Like, how are you going to tell me that I'm going to die eating this way? But slowly, over a period of time, because herbal remedies and holistic living is very much ingrained in the culture, my family really came around. And almost every single one of my family members eats about, maybe I would say, I don't know how to put an exact percentage or anything like that, but they eat quite a high uh, raw food diet, and uh, it's been uh, fantastic to see their own healing journeys that have happened throughout the process as well, too. One of the, one of the greatest uh, stories that I have that really set my raw food journey off to a whole new level was in around 2003, my aunt, my mom's sister, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I've written about this on uh, Chris Carr's blog, if anybody wants more details. But the gist is that she, was, she had eight tumors, you know, in both breasts, and, you know, the doctors are, you know, doing the doctor thing, giving her a certain amount of time to live and everything like that. So she knows that I'm doing this whole raw food thing, and she doesn't know anything about it but says, hey, you know, what are the possibilities? Together we put a plan. We talked to a bunch of different doctors, including Dr. Thomas Lodi, Dr. Cousins, mm-hmm. a few other individuals that helped us put a plan together. And in about eight months of raw food uh you know, a, a deep spiritual cleansing as well, through, as well, too, that she did with a few different courses, yoga, healing water, fresh air, exercise. Within eight months, she was officially diagnosed back into remission. And that, for me, was the first major personal transformation that I'd seen somebody close to me go through uh, in raw food, and that really took things to a whole new level for me. Uh, we've only got a minute and another minute in this segment, but I really want to find out what was your aunt eating before this happened, before she was diagnosed with breast cancer? Yeah, pretty much a standard Indian diet, which is a lot of fried foods, a lot of oils that are used like canola oils, um, vegetarian. But now the funny thing is, is that vegetarian no longer necessarily means healthy. And she was really, I guess, like a carbitarian, eating a lot of pastas, eating a lot of uh, rotis, um, things like that. You know, still vegetarian, but just not that many fresh and raw things. Right. So now there's a lot of doctors and people saying just eat a plant-based diet, but having gone to the quote-unquote natural products expo, um, plant-based diet sure has changed. It definitely has. And, you know, a country like India, where I come from, which is, you know, still primarily vegetarian, um, India is the new epicenter for diabetes. It's, it's crazy to think that uh, a country that's primarily vegetarian had some of the deepest spiritual teachings emerge from it, the deepest holistic living teachings, where it's not uncommon for people to use all sorts of different natural remedies. It's now become the epicenter of diabetes. Oh, you know what? We're going to talk about that when we come back in just a moment. Hello and welcome back to Rockin' Radio. Find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash rockin' radio. I think Drumel is there too. Yeah, <laughs> isn't, speaking of community revel, isn't Twitter such an amazing thing? It is the most amazing thing and it's growing and it's so huge. It's amazing. Yeah, I see you on there quite often and I see Give It To Me Raw there often. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, the most beautiful thing that I like about Twitter because initially, I'm sure you get this question a lot from individuals because you're seen as kind of a, you know, your, your own expert in the, in the space of social technology and web technologies, but people often ask, like, 
I don't get it. Like, what is it about? But once you start using it, you realize how direct the support is, especially, you know, there's a lot of people that use Twitter to complain about their lives. I'm not talking about raw food people. I'm talking about just in general. They talk about, they use Twitter to complain. They use Twitter to, you know, post things that just don't, you know, you know, I'm, I'm waiting in line at the DMV, stuff that really we don't care about. But then in the raw food sort of niche that's been created on Twitter, it's so fascinating to see the support and the conversations, and people have become such great friends on there. And so that's just another extension of a tool that just makes it easier for people to have this uh, community. So I think it's fantastic. I think so, too, because they had the raw food festival, a raw spirit festival, and we had a tweet up. We met with Kevin Gianni, who had a party the first night, and you know, I'd, I'd get up in the morning and I'd see people like Robin coming home, you know, saying, "Oh, I'm just leaving the uh, party, the durian party, or this party, or that party," and it's two a.m. and I'm like, "Girl," <laughs> and Twitter was, you know, people were putting on Twitter, "Hey, it's a party the here, it's a party there," and so people were who had never physically met in person before. Yeah, and, and you know, another thing that's really exciting about it is that not only does it keep individuals in touch, you know, I saw, I saw the tweet that you posted that, you know, you were having a little bit of upset stomach, so that gave me an excuse and a reason to, you know, talk to you. We had a little bit of a conversation there. But also on top of it, one of the, one of the things that I saw is that it's one thing to read a recipe in a book, and it's one thing to see instructions on, you know, how to go try to find spring water in your area. But if you know somebody that's actually making that recipe, if you know somebody that's actually trying those green smoothies and you see them talking about it, like you actually see them, you know, you see trails of them talking about it, mm-hmm. you see a video or you see something, it makes it that much more real in your head. You know that this just isn't just information that's in a book. This is actual way to really live and uh, and to live in in a really holistic manner. So that's the thing that I enjoy about uh, all these tools that we have online now. Yes, yeah, uh, such great support. But I, I want to go back for a moment. You had mentioned that, and we had talked about this off the air. But I want I want to, uh, people to hear this: that the uh, the Indian culture now is the epicenter for diabetes, and diabetes to me is more sugar than anything else, but you're saying it's because of the oils and the fats. Well, I'm saying that the, the health in general, the health decline in India has really come from the oils and, and also it, the sugars as well, too, because as we, as we all know, complex carbohydrates is essentially another word for sugar. Yeah. So in India, there's a lot of bread. There's a lot of uh, starches that are used in that same uh, manner, and those starches are turned into uh, breakfast, lunch, snack items, dinner items. Uh, in India, one of the things that you'll realize there is that people are eating throughout the day. They're constantly eating. And so it's not just the diabetes. In, in the United States, for example, Indians in the United States have the highest risk amongst any uh, ethnic minority for heart disease. And you think, like, Indians and heart disease? Yeah. You know, most of them, even if they do eat meat, none of them are eating red meat, you know, because it's pretty much against the culture to eat uh, beef and things like that. So sure. even if they might be eating a little bit of chicken or fish, they're not eating red meat. So what is it? In that particular instance, it's really the high amounts 
use of oils, especially the use of canola oils. You know, they've really moved away from healthier oils like coconut oils and uh, sunflower oils that were really prevalent in India about 100 years ago, and they've moved to things like canola oils um, that are, and, and peanut oils that are much less healthier. So even in India... They're they're not e- they're not even necessarily eating a standard American diet. They're just eating their own diet. You said something about they're they're cooking their food longer. They're, they're cooking the food longer. You know, original Indian cooking uh, is really come out of the Vedic style cooking or Ayurvedic style cooking. And regardless of what background and tradition you came from in India, because there's all sorts of different religions. You know, there's Muslims in India, there's uh, Hindus in India, there's Jains in India, there's Buddhists and all sorts of other different communities in India as well, too. Regardless of what culture you came from in India, there were very strict sort of guidelines in terms of food and the way to eat food. For example, I come from the Jain community, and the Jain community, for individuals that aren't too familiar, Jain uh, Dharma, it's not so so much as a religion, as more sort of like a way of life, kind of like Zen. Jain Dharma is the practice of a religion that's based around nonviolence. And so in their guidelines and kind of their teachings that, you know, went back centuries and centuries, there was restrictions on how long one should cook food. There was restrictions on how long one should keep food out. For instance, any food that you made that day had to be eaten that day. You couldn't leave it over. You know, there wasn't refrigerators back then, but you couldn't store food. You were, you were forbidden to store food. You were, it was suggested not to, even today in the community, it's suggested not to reheat food. But a lot of those traditions, you know, if people... The, the real story of humanity is that it, every single culture talks about how back in the day we used to know this ideal way of living. And even if we did know this ideal way of living, you know, many thousands of years ago, the thing is, is that we didn't know the why behind it. So we might have done it culturally, but we didn't know the why. So, for instance, my parents were raised on spring water, but they just didn't know why, right? My grandmother knew that you shouldn't have water during your your meal because that would dilute the digestive acids. I mean, I know that now, but she didn't know why then. Mm -hmm. So these things happened culturally previously, but there was no why. The beautiful thing about what's happening now with this emergence in the Internet and being able to find information is that we've lost these original teachings, but now we get a chance to rediscover them. And because we're forced to rediscover them, because the times are so challenging, we're forced to rediscover them in a deeper manner than we originally knew them because we have to ask ourselves the why. So I'm really excited about this new movement that's also happening across the globe, even in India, where people are going back to the original teachings or the original way that we lived and say, okay, you know what, we did that, but why did we do that? You know, and, and that's the beauty of the times that we're going through right now. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> um- let me let me get back to you for a quick second. We've got only a couple minutes left. Uh, I'm curious, how do you feel about supplements and or what are called superfoods? And I don't mean like just the, the the blueberries and things like that. I'm talking about the packaged, bottled, powdered stuff. Sure. So when I first got started, 
uh, anybody who's who's a fan of We Like It Raw knows that my the the mentor that's been most influential in my journey is a man named uh, Nature Love. That's actually his real name. So Nature is an individual that I met uh, while shopping at uh, organic food store here in Delaware, and he's the first person that told me about raw food, and he's just an amazing example of health. You gotta Google him, and you'll see some photos. This guy is ripped. He, he looks amazing. He's really healthy. But when I first met Nature and I saw the way that he lived, his diet was kind of primarily based on the simple sort of raw fruit, fruits and vegetables, primarily gearing towards the vegetable side, a lot of greens. And if he ever did have any supplements, they might be sort of whole food supplements. So things like vitamin mineral green that he might mix in a little bit extra into his green juice. You know, um, he was very sensitive to certain types of superfoods, so he couldn't have things like cacao and uh, uh, maca. So those things kind of, um, he, his system was very sensitive to that, so he kind of abstained for that. And even now today, I don't have those on a regular basis. I might have something like cacao as a treat if I go to a raw food restaurant or at, you know, one of Vanessa's chocolates if I'm up in mm. New York City. So the things that I gravitate towards are sort of more the um, the whole food supplements. I really like uh, the stuff that uh, uh, that the Health Force Nutritional is up to and some of the other companies like that. And then the other foods, you know, the, the, the macas, the, the cacaos, I might have those sparingly and uh, not on a regular basis as part of my regular diet. I tend to have the big salads, uh, green smoothies in the morning, green juices, spring water. I'm on the spring water kick now, and then a little bit of fruit throughout the day as well, too. Well, thank you, Jamel. Thank you, Revel. This is this is great. Uh, you, you've, you've given people different things to think about than just about anybody else who has uh, uh, been on the show. What was the name of the gentleman you just talked about? Uh, his name is Nature Love. Um, we have two interviews um, interviews with him on our podcast, so you can just go to welikeitraw.com and you can see the podcast there. You'll also see some photos and some other conversations that we've had with Nature there as well, too. Fantastic. Don't go away. Uh, we Like It Raw blog and giveittomeraw.com, the community. Uh, join us over there, and thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of Rockin' Radio. Please feel free to uh, go to rockandradio.com, purchase books and DVDs by all of my guests, or most of my guests who have them, to help keep this program on the air. If you'd like to advertise on or sponsor this program, please contact me at rockandradio at mac.com. My engineer is Bo Astrup. I'm Revel Revity Singh. Remember to revel in life and always play with your food. Bye for now. Bye for now.